And now, for your holiday enjoyment, a special Independence Day program. This great invention, America. Hello, and welcome to this special Independence Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. All across America today, we're celebrating our great nation, this great invention, America. That's right, America. The starting of our America was not just some documents thrown together, copying other previous nations. America was not going to copy England's monarchy way of running and ruling a country. America was all new, a true, all new invention. Now, I can hear you saying, what? What are you talking about, Jerry? America was an invention? Yep, that's right. So very right. And one of the greatest parts of this American invention was that our nation was not designed and built to be a nation run by our government. It was meant to be owned and run by we, the people. Our founding fathers didn't want to have a king with all the laws and rules and a standing army keeping us in check. No, our founding fathers designed our America to be first, owned by the people. We were to be a nation owned by the citizens of America. Second, with leaders, yes, but not controlling leaders, not a power-hungry government ruling the people with a heavy hand, but the people putting into place certain serving appointed officials to help us run and operate our nation. And the rules they set up to live by, where did the rules come from? From the Judeo-Christian ideals right from the Bible. Like what? Like being honest, not a cheater or a thief. Being the kind of person who is ready to obey the laws of life. Like being kind and respectful, hardworking, responsible for yourself and your family, not looking to physically harm others. In short, to be a good person led by your own conscience to help make America a good and safe and prosperous nation, a better nation. But one of our most revered founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, who did so much to help invent our America, he was concerned that if given the chance, some of the free citizens of America would not take care of our freedoms, but instead they would take advantage of our freedoms. Listen to a few thoughts from Thomas Jefferson all the way back in the beginning. He said, whenever you do something, act as if the whole world were watching you. In other words, don't be a sneaking, conniving, crooked person. Be straight be respectful. And what did Thomas Jefferson think about the idea of having a big government? He said this, I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Wow, that one looks way too familiar today. As Americans, we should expect our government to keep us safe and to protect us to keep lawbreakers from making trouble, and that's about it. We should never want to be a nation of people who sit by, watched over, and taken care of by our own government. And how did Thomas Jefferson and others back then know that this idea of a government ruling would not work? Because it's exactly 
where they had just been under the rule of Great Britain and King George. And sadly, today, everything in our country is about politics. What did Thomas Jefferson think of this idea of political parties so deeply into wanting their own way running our country? Listen to this one. He said, It is my rule to never take a side in any part in the quarrels of others and not to inquire into them. I generally presume the quarrel to flow from the indulgence of too much passion on both sides and always find that each party thinks all the wrong was done by the other. And where did Thomas Jefferson believe that all of this inner fighting of we the people would get us? Sadly, he said this, These bickerings, which are always useless, embitter human life more than any other cause. In other words, Jefferson was saying that our constant fighting and bickering amongst each other is the biggest problem in our America, only causing more trouble. But you say, hold it, Jerry. There's a lot of things going on in our America today that I don't like, that are not right And I'm very upset. Was Thomas Jefferson telling us that it's best to just be quiet and let others have their way? Absolutely not. That's why we the people have been given the powerful tools. One of the most powerful tools we have is the power to vote. To vote against the people in authority that we believe are bad for our nation and get them out. Not by burning down buildings and making trouble. Our answer is not violence. Our answer is to stand up and speak out. We have that right. And as I read these, I realized that all of the words from Thomas Jefferson go back to three logical and practical rules of life for our America. First, he said, we need rules and laws to live by. But these laws and rules are already laid out in the ideals of correct living as taught in the Bible. And second, obey these laws of life. And if you don't, expect those who keep the laws to stop your law-breaking and to bring you to justice. Finally, make the punishments harsh enough, causing potential lawbreakers to think twice before breaking the law. All sounds pretty simple when laid out that way in a very specific guidelines and rules and laws that we all have known in our hearts from the beginning. And just exactly how is our America to operate, to function? How is America to work for us? From the inventor's user's guide. You say user's guide? Yes. Today, I'm going to take us back, way back to the beginning, to the inventing of our America. You'll hear some of the backstories of those who helped in the inventing And as we talk about these people, the invention ideas, you will see that our America's main inventor was Almighty God. I'll tell you an amazing story of George Washington in battle, even before the American Revolution. In one battle in the French and Indian War that Washington fought, and he became an easy shot for the Indians to kill him. But what happened there to cause the Indian chief to tell his braves, do not shoot that man. Why? You'll hear that amazing story today. And what about our original document of freedom, our Declaration of Independence, the spark that set those wanting freedom, the foundations of freedom to fight for, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? How important was that? And where 
are those now. Then there's our Constitution, written by those who fought for America to be free. Then they wrote the Constitution to give us a clear way to walk as a nation. You'll hear the story of how we almost came to not have our Constitution. The story is amazing, and even more strange and amazing. After the Constitution was written and passed, why was it that so many of the delegates refused to sign it into action? The reason? They wanted more. Something more. You'll hear why they refused to sign that has now become a big key to our door of freedom. And finally today, when our America was invented, was there a user's manual to keep our America working properly? There was definitely a user's manual issued with the proper fuel needed to keep this invention, our nation, running smoothly. But today, are we following the instructions of the user's manual? Are we even considering the way they laid out for us to run this nation? Or are we just going our own way? It's a great program today, full of so much to talk about and stories to hear. I'm taking a break now, but when I return, you'll hear what happened when those in the French and Indian War determined to kill George Washington. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'll be back with more after these messages. But while I'm gone, here's a great America trivia question for you to answer. Here it comes. How did we come to have our country to be named America? Yeah, where did we get the name America? Let me give you a a couple of hints. So often, when I ask this question, people say that it was Christopher Columbus that gave us our name. But that's not right. It was not Christopher Columbus. Others say it was the Indians here, that the Indians named our country America. And it was not the Indians that gave our country its name. And finally, some believe that it was the British settlers that gave us our name America when they started that colony in 1607 in Jamestown. Nope, not right either. So take some time during the break. Think it over. Don't fudge by looking it up on your phone. I'm Jerry Stewart. Let us take this next hour together to find out so much about our America that we didn't know and to thank God for giving us the greatest nation in the world. I'll be back with more of this special Independence Day program after these messages. Hello and welcome back to this special Independence Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today I'm telling you stories of the past. Many of these you're probably hearing for the very first time. And what do these stories teach and tell us? That we owe so very much to those who fought and sacrificed and even died during the American Revolution, dying for our American freedoms that we still have today. And to those who fought and suffered difficulties in that war and survived to go forward working in the forming of our own new nation, we should be thanking them for their efforts to not just make our America just another country run by a king, but our own nation owned by we the people. Yep, we sure owe them all so very much. And who else do we owe all of our gratitude? Almighty God. 
He was the one who led the colonists in the war, strengthened the patriots to keep them going when they had no strength left. And then, after the war was won, God didn't retire from the great American quest to become a new country. No, he stood right beside those who wrote our Constitution. God was there. But before we could be a free nation, before a Constitution could be written, there had to be a war to win our independence. And we would have never won that war if we did not have one great leader, George Washington. He was a man of great courage, an amazing strategist to direct the troops in everywhere he went, he prayed. And his troops knew it. Here they were, greatly outnumbered by the well-equipped British forces. They had limited weapons, few cannons. Clearly, the odds were heavily against them. But George Washington kept leading and praying. I believe it to be oh so clear that if he had not been leading the colonial forces, they would not have won that war. And what so many today don't know in the life of George Washington is in one battle he fought long before the Revolutionary War in 1776, in that war prior, he should have died in that battle. Listen to this story. The year was 1755, and a much younger George Washington was one of the field officers in a battle during the French and Indian War. And during that battle, he fought against the Indians, and Washington had the highly dangerous assignment of riding across the open battlefield, carrying written orders from General Braddock to all of the other leading officers in the field. Now, as I said, it was a highly dangerous job for Washington and the other messengers to take on because the enemy forces, the Indians, they knew that these messengers were carrying orders to give to the field officers. And if the messages never arrived because the messenger had been injured or killed by gunshot, then the troops would not have their orders from General Braddock. So, as George Washington and the others raced back and forth across the open battlefield, unprotected, they were the prime targets, easy targets, and most all of the messengers were taken down, but not George Washington. And later, after the battle, Washington wrote a letter to his brother and recalled this story to his mother. He said, I escaped without a wound, though I had four bullet holes through my coat and two horses shot from under me. He knew that he had escaped injury, maybe even death, only by the powerful protection of Almighty God. But there was one other part of that unbelievable story that George Washington himself did not even know until much later, 15 years later. In October of 1770, 15 years after that great battle, he was traveling with his personal physician, Dr. James Craig. And as they traveled, one local chief came to see Washington. He said that he had a message to give him. The chief started his story by telling Washington that he was there at that battle during the French and Indian War in 1755. He gave in great detail the description of just what happened that day and that he was the chief giving his braves their orders in the battle. They saw Washington many times traveling back and forth across that open field, and each time that he traveled into the open field, they would shoot at him. 
the chief confirmed that they saw Washington had two horses shot from under him and that so many of the other messengers were shot. But George Washington was never hit, and the chief was amazed. Later in the battle, General Braddock was shot, and George Washington had to take over the leading of the forces. At that moment, more than ever, the Indians wanted him dead. But no matter how many times they shot at him, even the Braves, who were the expert marksmen, they could not shoot and hit George Washington. And then the chief recalled to Washington. He said there was a moment when he realized what was happening. He told George Washington that he had had his Braves stop shooting at Washington. Why? He said he was convinced that the great spirit in the sky was preserving Washington, and he prophesied in that meeting there that day in 1770 with Washington, he said, you will become the chief of nations, and a people yet unborn will hail you as the father of a mighty empire. Wow. So long before there even was an American Revolution, long before anyone could have ever imagined, God had already begun His mighty work to watch over, to train up, to prepare George Washington to lead the American forces against Britain in the most important war of our history, the war fought for our own independence. Man, I love that story. And get this, even with all of the attention and praise that George Washington received in his public life, he never allowed the words given to inflate his ego. That's why we have in Washington, D.C., a monument built in honor of George Washington, built in the design of a pillar showing by that monument that he was a true leader, strong and solid, unmoving, even if the biggest storm should come. And at the top of that Washington Monument today that no one but God can see is an aluminum cap. And inscribed on that aluminum cap, these two simple, powerful Latin words, Laos Deo, which translates to praise be to God. And we should never forget I'm taking a break now, but before we leave, in the first segment, I asked the question, where did America get its name? And here's the answer, and you won't believe it. Our name came from an exploration navigator, mapmaker, Americo Vespucci. Between 1497 and 1504, Vespucci sailed at least two voyages to what he called the New World. And when he would return, he would tell the stories of the New World. And in 1503, a booklet was published under his name. The maps were drawn up, and Americo Vespucci's name was on these maps. Then finally, when an all-new map was produced for the first time showing the New World... Yep, that's right. The map makers put America's name on that map of the New World. America was named after a virtual unknown in our America today, Americo Vespucci. Wow. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'm taking a break now, but when we return, more stories of America. I'll be back with more of this special Independence Day special program after these messages.
And now we return to This Great Invention, America. Hello and welcome back to this special Independence Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. In our program today, I've been talking about the story of how we came to be our own free nation, America. But even more, so unique as a nation that we came to be like an all-new invention. You say, an invention? How so? Our founding fathers had ideas, but the idea of a nation owned and run by the citizens of a country had never been done before, and so many doubted that it could even work. But before the colonists could even try to put together anything that spelled freedom, first, they had to be free, and King George wanted nothing but his monarchy to rule America. So those who wanted freedom in America had no other choice but to release a formal declaration of their independence. Now, most of us today have been taught that Thomas Jefferson was like the, well, like the author. But after his drafting of the declaration, it became open for debate among the 56 men there, and various changes and rewrites were made before the actual final voting. But get this. Even though Jefferson could be said to be like the author of that declaration back then, when the actual written document was printed and released for all to read, according to my research, the authorship by Thomas Jefferson, his own special part in putting that together, was not even mentioned. Why was that? Well, according to everything that I read, Thomas Jefferson was a very private man, not interested in public speaking, and not looking for a lot of fanfare for himself. So his great part did not become released to the people of America until Thomas Jefferson became our third U.S. president. Wow, very interesting. And here's another little-known fact. There was a prior document written all the way back in year 1620, that 1620 document written, the Mayflower Compact, composed by the pilgrim leader, William Brewster, when the pilgrims first came to America. And many of the key points in that Mayflower Compact can be found in the 1776 Declaration, written over 150 years later. And what were some of the key points of the Mayflower Compact? First, self-governing of their own community. No king, no heavy-handed monarchs ordering the citizens around. Now, the people were to have their freedom to run and direct their own affairs. But there were rules. The rule of law. This necessity of the rule of law with the laws being made by the people has to be the foundation of any free society. And Thomas Jefferson used this idea in his first draft of that declaration that he wrote in 1776. And something else from the Mayflower Compact, that the government would be for the people, not the people for the government. And just what happened after the Declaration of Independence was released to the people and to the king? There was war, our American Revolution. And from the beginning, it truly looked like the American forces would not, could not win the war. The odds against them were just too high. And it wasn't just the British Army that was breaking down George Washington and his forces. It was the elements. Not enough food. Not enough supplies. Not enough rest. And one winter, early in that war, 
Washington was forced to move his men to Valley Forge to try and wait out the winter and to get rest. But as the winter wore on, the list of sick and dead mounted higher. There were men who were literally naked because they didn't even have rags to wrap around them. But in all of that, something began to happen. With all the death and suffering, the soldiers did not leave. They stayed with Washington, and Washington was amazed. He said, To see men without clothes to cover their nakedness, without blankets to lie on, without shoes, so that their marching might be traced by the blood from their feet, and submitting without a murmur, is a proof of patience and obedience which can scarce be paralleled. This became known as the miracle of Valley Forge. That the men endured was indeed amazing, but the reason that they endured was they prayed. They trusted Almighty God, and they trusted George Washington to lead and guide them. And finally, on September the 3rd, 1783, the war was finally over. The American colonists had won their freedom. Now all they had to do was just still sign a few papers, make some rules and laws, and get going as a nation, right? (laughs) No, no one would have ever imagined how much effort it would take to put this all, this new America invention, into a working nation. And the Constitution took over four years to pass. Wow. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'm taking a break now, but when we return, the story of the inventing of America continues after these messages. Hello and welcome back. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today we're talking about the founding of our America and we're celebrating our free nation with thankful hearts. Thankful to God for seeing those first Americans through in all of their efforts and sacrifice. Thankful for the people who sacrificed all they had to make our free America not just a dream. But after the war was won, what then? Well, most Americans today have no real idea that in many ways the building of our new America with rules and laws and the coming together of the 13 colonies to become 13 states, that in many ways that may have been harder than actually winning the war. Why? Well, remember, we've been talking about the plan for our free America to build a nation owned by the people, we the people, with each state free, yes, but each state responsible to all of the other states to work together in harmony as a nation. And if they had determined to make a democratic country where the majority always prevails, then it would have been much easier. Just count the votes and the majority always wins. But that's not what our founders wanted. They were determined for America to be a republic, not just a democracy. And how is a republic different from a democracy? Well, in a republic, the power is in the hands of the individual citizens, not just necessarily majority rules. Another difference? In a democratic system, laws are made by the majority, while in the republic system, laws are made by the elected representatives of the people. 
Well, as the representatives from each of the 13 colonies came together, they immediately could see a problem. What would the rules and laws be to govern our new nation, our new invention, America? And how could our American citizens be protected not to be, well, just run over by the majority? And these constitutional representatives did not have a solution. They had no other country, no other previous constitutional documents to follow. Our nation was an all-new invention needing all new ways to make it work. So, as the representatives began to see that if America became a majority rule nation, that they may not want their state to be a part of this new nation, because they would have no say if they were too small. For example, according to my research, Delaware, the least populated colony, had only about 59,000 population, while the largest populated colony, Virginia, in 1776, had almost three-quarters of a million people. You can see the problem facing the smaller colonies. So, with states' rights as the number one concern of the representatives and with seemingly no way to fix the majority rules roadblock, a number of the representatives began to make plans to pack their bags and go home. Just be an individual body of people, not part of America. It seemed crazy and really, well, sad that all of the work and all of the sacrifice that had been made to get all of America to this point, and now it seemed like it would all be lost. One of the representatives there at that convention was Benjamin Franklin. Now, Benjamin Franklin had been around since the beginning. By now, he was in his 80s, and he had seen it all. He was there even before the Revolution at the drawing up and signing of the Declaration of Independence. He had been there during the war as the first U.S. ambassador, sailing to France to ask the French to help us in our war for freedom, and France had helped. He had helped in the design of our flag, and here he was now watching the whole plan of an all-new free American nation just falling apart. It didn't seem that it could be possible that this was going to happen. But then he thought, he knew that there was one big part of the plan missing in this Constitutional Congress meeting. He knew there was something else that must be done before they gave up and just went home. So he stood and began to talk. He said, sirs, if I may have a word before we give up on our efforts here. And all listened intently. He said, I've lived a long time in this world, and if it's true that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without God knowing it, then surely a new nation cannot be formed without his part and his help. He said, Sirs, may we please stop now and pray? There was a motion and a vote. All agreed that they needed to bring Almighty God into this crucial matter of building a new nation with no prior documents to follow. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And God helped them. 
And just how did they resolve the matter of smaller states getting equal say? They made two legislative branches. First, a House of Representatives with each state represented according to their population. But there was a second legislative branch, the Senate, with each state having an equal vote. Each state would be equal in their power in the Senate of the United States. Wow, God had heard their prayers and He helped them. And you say, okay, the work is done. The Constitution is written and passed and ready to begin in the operation of our now United States of America. But hold it, there was one more roadblock. So many of those Constitutional Congress delegates would not sign the Constitution into law unless one final set of documents were drawn up. The Bill of Rights. Wow. And how much today do we depend on our U.S. Bill of Rights to protect us from our own government? Think about it. Where would we be today if we didn't have the Bill of Rights to protect us as U.S. citizens? The hottest on the list right now? The Second Amendment, which clearly says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Why did our founding fathers insist on the right to keep and carry firearms? Because if we had not had our own firearms to protect us and our families against England and against the king, the British would have had their own way. I encourage you today to take some quality time to read these Bill of Rights and to thank our founders for not giving up in the protection of our rights. I'm taking a break now. Jerry Stewart, I'll be back with some final thoughts after these messages. Hello and welcome back to this special Independence Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today is our America's birthday, and we're all invited to the party because America is our country, and I am so proud to be an American, aren't you? I am so blessed. We are all so blessed to be part of our America, the single greatest nation in the world, and we thank God for His great part. But we must all be aware and on guard to protect our nation, protect our rights, protect our freedoms. Why? Because there are so many, even in our nation today, who want to strip away all of our rights. And once these rights are stripped away, they will be gone. And were our founding fathers equally concerned, genuinely worried about protecting our rights as a republic? Yes, very much so. After the Constitutional Congress had met, had written, and passed our Constitution, after they had written and passed our Bill of Rights, as they were leaving, Benjamin Franklin was approached and asked the question, Mr. Franklin, what do we have? Benjamin Franklin's reply, a republic, if we can keep it. He and the others knew that this new invention, America, this country, that if we didn't be diligent and steadfast, that we would lose it all. But Franklin, Jefferson, Adams, Washington, they're not here to speak for us today, to fight for us, to lead us. They are gone. So now what? Our America, our great invention, America, is now 
up to us. So what do we do? Well, first, we do exactly what our founding fathers did. We pray, not just a simple prayer at mealtimes, but a heartfelt, serious prayer asking God to not give up on us. Sometimes when I look at so many of the antics going on inside our nation today, like abortion and taking prayer out of our schools, I truly wonder why God continues to stick with us. And as we are praying without ceasing, what else must we do? We must get involved in our local government, attend meetings, speak up, and vote. Not just for the big election of the president, but vote each time the chance is given. Remember, our founding fathers believed with all of their hearts that if given the chance to vote, we would put all of our time into the voting in front of everything else. In our last presidential election, only 66% of we the people even voted. I believe that one big reason why we find ourselves in so much trouble today is we don't even show up to vote. My dad used to say this, Son, if you don't vote, don't complain. You got exactly what you deserved. Wow. Well, that's all the show for today. I'm Jerry Stewart saying, have a great birthday party. Pray for our troops. And don't stop praying for our America. And remember, United States of America is the greatest single nation in the world. Don't stop praying.